Hi guys, this is me. Did you move today? A tu bouge aujourd'hui? Chate mechiste oji, ivo ste moviste ora. Welcome to a Did You Move Today podcast. I'm your host Andrea and I'm excited to be here. In this episode, I have Dr. Susie Gronsky as my guest. She currently is specializing in men's pelvic and sexual health. She's a licensed doctor of physical therapy, board certified pelvic rehabilitation practitioner, international teacher, and creator of online and in person health programs that help men with pelvic pain become experts in treating themselves. Her passion is making you feel comfortable about taboo subjects like sex and private parts. Social stigmas aren't her thing, and neither is medical fluff. She provides real advice, just like a friend who knows the lowdown down below. She's determined to make sure you know you can get help for painful ejaculation, problems with the joystick, discomfort or pain during sex, controlling your pee without being embarrassed. So if you're having some trouble down there, she's a person to get to know. So learn more by visiting drsusieg.com. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Dr. Susie. Thank you for being here. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. So my first question for you is if you can tell me about yourself. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a doctor of physical therapy, a certified pelvic rehab practitioner, a women's clinical specialist, and to put it frankly, just a physiotherapist for your private parts. What are the top myths of the, for the pelvis? So the top myths for the pelvis, uh, the first one would be that the core is just the abs. And your core is not just your abdominal muscles or your six-pack abs. The pelvis or the bottom of the core, which are all the pelvic floor muscles that attach from your sit bones um, to your, your tailbone to the pubic bone in front, it's a sling of muscles that really help with stability, mobility, and ad adaptability with everyday function. Um, not to mention pooping, peeing, and sex are really important functions. So mm -hmm. um, that's that one. And then uh, another myth would be incontinence. Uh, you know, some there's a lot of mainstream stereotypes out there that says incontinence or peeing in your pants is normal when you get older or after having a baby. And that's really not the case. It might be common, but it's certainly not normal. And there's a lot of things that we can do so that you can stay dry doing all the activities that you love to do. And the third myth would be pain during sex. Um, sometimes the myth is like, oh, after I had a baby, it's normal to have pain with sex after I'm delivering a baby or even just the first time exploring any type of insertion or vaginal penetration, that that is, that is normal for a woman. And so I will say, no, that is not normal. And pain during sex for male bodies or female bodies is certainly not normal. And there are things that we can do to help with that as well. And lastly, uh, the last myth that I want to talk about is women, the myth that women only have pelvic health issues or concerns. And we know that that is far from it. Uh, male bodies also have issues with um, pelvic health concerns and sexual health concerns. So it is not just women. I, I'm so excited that you're here because I have so many questions concerning that. Uh, when, why do you decide to specialize on pelvis? on the pelvis when when did you when do you decide that that's what you want to do I decided that several years ago 
And I actually had a good friend of mine reach out to me and ask if I was interested in shadowing another therapist to learn about pelvic health. And I said, why not? Because I was exploring many different other niches in physical therapy. And as soon as I shadowed um, this one therapist, I fell in love with it. And then here I am doing it ever since. Now, what are the best exercises to do for pelvis, for, uh, pelvis pain or pelvic pain? Well, so for pelvic pain, there's no one single best exercise for pelvic pain or pain in general, really. You know, for me, it's in an individual-based uh, kind of exploration, and it's whatever helps create really a safe, positive, and less stressful feeling in someone's body. So really the goal of any type of exercise is to help someone move better and feel better in their body, and that is very individually based. But that being said, there are some of my favorite go-tos that we do explore with as far as exercise. And some of those are Astagrass, which is mm -hmm. squatting all the way down, uh, child's pose. I'm a yogi, so I, I, I love anything that has to do with child's pose and any hip openers, legs up the wall, and, and of course, adding focus and intentional breath work with any type of exercise. By uh, breath work, do we have to place our hands on our on our belly or is it more so like just being aware of our own breath? It's being aware of your own breath and, and really there is no one right or wrong way to breathe. It's just about the awareness and the focused intention of that breath. And you could intentionally manipulate your breath, but that is really mostly helping with the nervous system, regulating the um, calming part of the nervous system. But when, when I work with breath work with others, it, we first start by just being in tune with our own natural breathing rhythm. Where do you feel it in your body? Where is it easier to flow your breath? Where does it seem a little bit challenging? And then we work to really balance the inflow and the outflow, the breath in and the breath out. Um, you know, just slower, softer, and smoother, really. Um, and then we kind of, and, and of course, being a pelvic therapist, I will also um, help someone just visualize or float that breath down through the pelvis, you know, so it's not just, you know, in their chest or in their belly, but it's really their whole torso. And just to have them kind of experience what that feels like in their own body. Now, how can I retrain my pee? So that is, that could be a podcast all on its own. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I usually, you know, you can, the, the, the thing I would say is that you certainly can help to train your bladder. Um, and if you're talking about incontinence, or I'm not sure if you're talking about urgency and frequency, but there are many ways to retrain the bladder and actually work with your pelvic muscles to help with incontinence. But it would have to, have to involve really um, a an assessment to see what, what protocol or what, um, well, I guess there's no single one protocol, but what strategies would be best for any one person. But if you're talking about just going to the bathroom a lot or mm -hmm. having the urge all the time, we would start by identifying just your bladder habits. You know, what is what do you normally do um, around toileting and bladder habits? You know, we would log that. Um, we would check what you're eating and drinking and how much of those things you're having. Medications might play a role. Supplements and herbs might play a role. Um, also, just habits of going just in case, right? Like I'm, I'm going mm -hmm. to the store. I just 
just went to pee 15 minutes ago, but I'm leaving and just in case I should go to the bathroom. And so we're looking at all these habits that we're doing every day that are pretty automatic until something goes wrong where you're like, this is, I'm the, my bladder starting to control my world. I'm looking for a bathroom everywhere now. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that's where we want to start to really investigate our habits um, and really kind of work through on a personalized level of what can we do to retrain the bladder. And lastly, I think, you know, before we do any of that, it's really understanding how your bladder works, right? So if you know how your, uh, your body works, then you can really apply these strategies to help retrain it. And so the underlying knowledge about the bladder and how the bladder and the pelvic floor muscles work together um, to help with the peace symphony. And so really it starts off with education and then we're really looking at habits and then giving specific exercises for that person um, to help suppress the urge or to work with that sensation. And that could be, again, pelvic exercises where you're squeezing and releasing. It could be breathing exercises to calm Um, you know, the nervous system and and the neural cues to the bladder. Uh, It could be dietary changes. It can be things like making sure you're not constipated because if you're Mm -hmm. constipated and not pooping regularly, that's also going to cause the bladder to be a little cranky. So you can see that this topic probably deserves a lot more conversation around it. But there's a lot of things that we can do to essentially retrain the bladder. Doctor, I know that. So these are things that you, someone can visit your website and get an assessment uh, virtually yeah. to get to figure out what to do if, if they want to retrain their pee. Yes, that's definitely something we can do um, pelvic consulting and coaching around. And that's where I would, you know, do a full health history that can be done online and also just um, giving a bladder log and a a diary per se. And you would fill that out and we would look at that together. And then we'd also look at other contributing factors that might be contributing to the um, bladder complaints or the symptoms that someone is having. And so we would do a deep dive into all of that and then set a plan for here are some things that you might try, um, whether that's dietary, exercise, pelvic training, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And of course, there's limitations with online versus in-person. And if an in-person consultation is warranted, um, then at that point, we would have more discussion around that. It's a little challenging now uh, because of everything that's happening, um, but we'll do our best to kind of support that person with whatever they need. Nice. I have, so I have another question. Um, Sure. What if someone cannot put a, a tampon? down there or the thought of sex is scary is that can that be also have to do with religious views or what are your thoughts on that and what can someone do in that case yeah that's a really good question and and again probably deserves a whole show in itself and um, but to be brief i will say that vaginal insertion or penetration that hurts is definitely scary for for anyone, uh, especially if you're not used, you know, you've never experienced that before. Um, And we all have, whether that's from religious views, cultural views, um, mainstream views, taboo stigmas, there's always, we always have our own set of identities and our own beliefs and things that we're, we think should be and shouldn't be and uh, that sort of thing, right? All the education that we have around our sexual health and our pelvic health, um, And so that comes into play as well when we're talking about anticipatory 
uh, reflexes or pain in general. So I just like to preface that um, nothing lives in a vacuum and, and context is everything and, and the situation and what we think is happening and who we're with and when it's happening and whether or not we have good resources to explain this and help around that and support is really going to impact how comfortable we feel in our bodies. Um, but that being said, so when we're talking about vaginal insertion, you know, I mentioned this earlier about, you know, it's kind of this concept of once bitten, twice shy. If we have mm-hmm. a painful event that happens, especially in a part of our body that is intimate and very private and not used to having any painful concern, right? There's always going to be the anticipation of what if this is going to happen next time. And so your brain has a lot to do with that sensory experience because your brain is looking out for you. And there's always this prediction of, I need to protect this person, this organism for the next time. Right. And so it's almost like this anticipatory like reaction of, well, if there's anything that's going to come near my vagina or, or the thought of having sex, because that's penetrative, that's going to immediately um, subconsciously and, and consciously reflexively tense muscles in that area. And when you Mm. tense pelvic muscles around the vagina, it's like the gatekeeper to the opening, right? So you're like, nope, Mm -hmm. nothing's coming in. And so when then at that point, when we have tension in our pelvic muscles, and then we try to insert something into our vagina, that's going to cause a lot of friction that might cause that's a lot of tension. um, And it may be painful. And so that and then that becomes like the cycle over and over again, right? And so that 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 becomes an, an emotional learning process as well. The more that it happens, the more that it's expected to be that way. And then the muscles habitually and the nervous system um, and all these processes involved, right? Must, you know, Mm -hmm. muscular nervous system, chemically, all these things are happening at the same time, again, as protective processes. um, But, but really, um, um, like I said, yeah, it's just protective processes. So um, that I know that's, you know, a lot to unpack in that question. um, But there's things that what I'd like to go back to saying that pelvic therapy can really, really help if someone is experiencing any type of painful experiences with insert, vaginal insertion or penetration. And, and how we would do that, again, is to create safety in your body, to work with your tissues with movement or with manual therapies, with or without a partner if appropriate. You know, really, it's all about to, inc- to help create more positive experiences with touch and those experiences that are painful and to de-threaten the situation. So that's really what we're doing when we're trying to um, help someone um, improve their health or reach their goals as far as intimacy goes or sexual health or pelvic health. I'm glad you are. I mean, I'm glad that you're doing this work because these are questions that I'm assuming a lot of people are afraid to ask. And so, yes, I'm happy that you, I mean, I I like your work. So that's why I was like, if I could have Dr. Susie in my podcast, that would be great. Just because I feel that, you you know, just like me, there must be more people (laughs) asking themselves similar questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, Andrea. It's, it's a taboo to talk about these things. And I think we really need to have conversation around our sexual health, sexual, sexuality, um, pelvic health, because, you know, it is a basic 
um, foundational need, especially for this body part, pooping, peeing, and sex are physiological functions. And when something isn't going right down there, it's really going to prevent us from, um, you know, doing the things we want to do. Like, for example, if we're leaking when we're exercising or having, you know, peeing in our underwear, the likelihood of me wanting to go out and run with my kids or go to an exercise class or do anything that, you know, makes that happen, I'm just going to not do it because it's embarrassing. And so, you know, and then we think that we're the only ones dealing with it too, and, and that there's nothing that can be done. Um, and not to mention all the cost around that too, underwear and pads and, you know, et cetera, surgery and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, again, there's help for all those things. And I think it starts with just having a conversation like you and I are having around these sensitive topics, but knowing that you're not alone and we're all having the same questions and concerns and the more we talk about them, the more that we realize that there's help for these issues. Yes. Now, I know, Doctor, that I want to shift the conversation a little bit. I know that you have a podcast. When do you, when do you decide to start your podcast? Yeah, so my podcast is called In Your Pants, and I started that podcast almost four years ago. And it's actually a funny story because I had no idea that I was actually gonna, ever going to do a podcast. <laughs> if you would ask me then, do you mm -hmm. want to do a podcast? I would be like, no. And that's what I told the guy who called me. He did a cold call from Seattle and asked, would you like to do a podcast? Would you have your own, would you like to have your own podcast? And I just kind of said, um, are you nuts? <laughs> Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, I'm going to make it really easy for you. So he is, he is, I've been working with Dave for the past four years, almost four years. It's been a great relationship. He does all my editing. Um, and it's been much, and it's been easy really. And it's all because of him and his cold call. So I'm, I'm very thankful. <laughs> nice. I know you also have, you, you have wrote, uh, you have experience writing books and you have a book. How was I do. That? How was that experience? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much for this shameless plug. Um, so my book is called Pelvic Pain, The Ultimate Cock Block. I actually wrote the first edition. It was published in 2017. And the new edition, which I spent the last year updating, is coming out in July, this July. But as far as how it was, I have to say that it, it's definitely a challenging process, but it's also rewarding at the same time, right? So, you know, because I get emails and messages from all over, from people from all over the world, you know, thanking me for my book. It's really helped them. Um, so it brings a smile on my face knowing that I can reach more people and that I can help people from all over the world with my book. And it's such a, um, you know, low cost resource and just full of information to help Really, it's written for um, for male bodies, anybody with a penis who has pelvic pain. Um, so anyway, that's that's where my experience with the book is. Um, as far as also, you know, the writing process, I would have to say that the easiest part is getting the words down on paper. But it's all the other stuff that's more challenging, like mm -hmm. proofreading, editing, um, uh, illustrations, typesetting, launching, all those things that no, like I never thought about when I was getting into writing a book. I thought, well, I'm just going to write it just like I would write a paper. I'm just, it's a done. Here you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I realized, mm -hmm. wow, when you're a self-publishing, 
there are so many things that you have to do, you know, getting numbers and copywriting and, you know, you're just, I just navigated this all on my own, honestly. And then I'm so thankful, big shout out to Chris, my editor and um, Stuart Williams, my um, typesetter and David, my proofreader, but I really found the right team to help me this time around for the second edition. And so the process has been much smoother, um, but it is a lot of work. And as I said, but also very rewarding. Doctor, it seems like you've done it all. Like you, you, you wrote a book, you, you teach and you have taught online classes. You work in the clinical setting as well. So what's next? What do you like the most? What do you enjoy the most? Thank you. That's a great question. I when you when you asked me that question and and I kind of had to sit and think about that. What is next? <laughs> and so I I will say that right now I'm currently taking the sexual health program with University of Michigan to become a sexual health education or certified sexual health educator and counselor with ASECT. And ASECT is, uh, stands for American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Um, but I find that adding that into my repertoire as far as what services I can offer, you know, pelvic health and sexual health go together like peanut butter and jelly. And so I really am super excited to just have started this program to be able to just add more um, and offer more to um, people who reach out to me. So I'm really excited about that. And I did also think about this and say, you know what, what's next? I think slowing down. <laughs> I think I need a little Great. more adventure in my life. Um, just spending more time with my family and um, just, yeah, slowing down. It's been, it's been quite the journey for the past several years. And I think I'm ready to just take it easy for a little bit. <laughs> Doctor, do you have any advice for uh, physical therapy students, medical doctors, artists, or even PhD students, something that you would like to share? I, I, I would say that don't be afraid to ask sexual health questions. And I know that it's, it's uncomfortable to ask those questions, but there are ways to ask them very tactfully and very respectfully because we just don't know who's suffering with what. Um, and there's a lot of research to support that we as medical providers are not really good at asking those questions about pooping, peeing, and sex, um, but we really should be. And if we just normalize the conversation and ask the questions, our patients uh, and people around us are going to be so happy and so thankful to be talking about it. Um, so that's the piece of advice that I would say as far as pelvic health and sexual health goes. And if you're, if you're obviously not the person to help them with those issues, um, definitely know and get in touch with your local therapist, sex therapist, pelvic therapist, urologist, urogynecologist, and, uh, you know, anyone else in your team that deals with pelvic, um, and he pelvic health and sexual health to really be the best interest in your patient and to help them overall. So get a good network um, together, a good team. Thank you for that. Doctor, I have two more questions for you. Um, I know you mentioned that movement is helpful for uh, pelvic pain. And so my first question is, did you move today? Absolutely. Every morning starts with a hike with my doggies and my husband. Um, so today we walked uh, and ran a little bit around the lake that is near our house. And then I like to add a little challenge by running up some hills. So <laughs> that's what I did this morning. <laughs> now what's movement for you? Anything in nature. I love, I love hiking and I use logs, 
rocks, the dirt, you know, I'm moving and doing strength training, resistance training there, but also just climbing up and down hills. Doctor, where can we find you online? My website is drsuzieg.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-I-E-G.com. And I'm also very active on Instagram at drdr.suzieg. Dr. Susie, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it um, that you said yes. And if there's anything else that you would like to share, uh, tell me or otherwise, it was a pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. This is great. And I really enjoy your podcast. I love what you're doing. So it's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't moved, just remember, you still have a couple of hours. Thank you.